everybody. This is the fifth episode of the Healthy Bites podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. This podcast is brought to you by Health Hope Vitality, providing personal training and nutrition guidance online from the comfort of your own home. Visit healthhopevitality.com to get started with your free consultation. And for the most researched nutritional products on the planet, please visit breeden.juiceplus.com. So the title of this podcast is Manic Migraines and Foods That Can Help. So I actually found this info. um, I just did a a Facebook post on my business page, which you can go see at facebook.com slash healthhopevitality. But this interests me because I, as you may know, if you listened to my last episode, I have learned quite a bit about food's relationship to disease and just to overall wellness. And so I thought, you know, I know some people that struggle with migraines. And so why not see if I can find some info out there that's actually research-based that they can count on, right? Okay, so my search led me to a graphic. And usually when I start doing research on something like this, Honestly, I'll use Google, but I'm looking for very specific things, okay? So I was looking for an image to attach to the post. So I found something that says, the migraine diet, plant-based foods may help reduce migraine pain. What's cool about this image though, and you can see it if you go to my Facebook post, is that there's a, I guess a citation down at the bottom of it, actually showing that there are foods that have been proven to help with migraines. So on one side, it says there's there's some foods that are listed to trigger migraines. And then on the other side, uh, there's a title that says pain safe foods for migraines. So I don't know what kind of title that is, but basically uh, in the foods that trigger migraines category, we've got caffeine, we've got dairy products, there's meat, eggs, eggs is an interesting one, alcohol, Uh, And then not pictured but listed are wheat, nuts, tomatoes, onions, citrus fruits, corn, apples, and bananas. So that's quite an interesting list to me. I would expect caffeine and dairy and even meat and alcohol and wheat and citrus and corn. (laughs) A lot of those foods to be on there, even tomatoes, because those can be highly acidic foods to the body. And so when we eat an overabundance or really just the standard American diet amount of those foods or substances, they can just build up on our body over time and those toxins build up on our body over time. And so it just makes it hard for our body to kind of deal with it. And so migraines can kind of be a side effect of a poor diet. On the other side, pain safe foods for migraines, it lists brown rice, cooked green vegetables. It's interesting that it mentions cooked. Uh, and they they mention broccoli, spinach, and collards, and that kind of subgroup. Cooked orange vegetables, like carrots and sweet potatoes. Cooked yellow vegetables, like summer squash. I wonder if spaghetti squash would be in there too. Cooked or dried non-citrus fruits, so berries, pears, and prunes. And then, of course, water, because we got to stay hydrated. Let me pull up this research article, the first one. So this first one is titled Nutrition Intervention for Migraine, a Randomized Crossover Trial. Now I do plan on doing a different podcast episode for what makes good research and why a randomized crossover trial is a really nice thing to see in a research study. 
but I'm not going to do that for now. Just expect that in a future episode. <laughs> Essentially, let's look at the case, or not the case study, but the study size. So this looked at 42 adult migraine sufferers. It does not list their ages. I am actually just looking at the summary of the article. I cannot see the full article, but it looked at 42 adult migraine sufferers from Washington, D.C., and this was actually a 36-week crossover study, including two different treatments, which includes the dietary instruction and a placebo. So each treatment period says it was 16 weeks with a four-week washout in between, and so they went for four weeks without any intervention or anything. It says during the diet period, a low-fat vegan diet was prescribed for four weeks, after which an elimination diet was used. And participants were assessed at the beginning, midpoint, and end. So the things that I like about this, it's not a huge study, but at least it has a decent amount of people. It does not mention if anybody dropped out of the study, so maybe they didn't. Maybe they were actually able to stay with the entire thing for 36 weeks, which would be pretty impressive. But what I like about this is that it was a crossover study. And so basically you have two groups of people and they follow a particular track with the study and then they switch places essentially. And so they do what the opposite group is doing. And so that's what a crossover study means. However, what I'm noticing about the study is that it doesn't mention that it was double blind. And so in other words, both groups knew what was going on. The problem with that is that if you know what's going on in a research study, sometimes the results can be a little bit skewed. So that's just something to look out for. But what it does say in the results is that average headache intensity on a zero to 10 scale was initially 4.2 per week. And this declined by one during the diet period, during the vegan diet, and by 0.5 during the supplement period. So that doesn't sound like a really good uh, research study to me, but um, average headache frequency was initially 2.3 per week. So I guess just over two headaches or migraines a week. And this declined by 0.3 during the diet period and by 0.4 during the supplement period. So I don't know what supplement they're talking about, but I guess, you know what, it does say there was a placebo supplement, which is interesting. Okay, let me kind of give you the synopsis of this article and why this is kind of puzzling to me. First of all, usually in good research, the researchers will always mention the limitations of the study, okay? And they do that in this article. However, I find it interesting that... The average headache intensity was initially 4.2 per week and this declined by one during the diet period. So they were still having a pretty, you know, a, I guess a moderately intense headache during the diet period and it only decreased by 0.5. So it did decrease more when they were on the vegan diet. So I'll give them that. Average headache frequency was initially 2.3 per week and this declined by 0.3 during the diet period and by 0.4 during the supplement period. So why is that interesting? <laughs> it's interesting because essentially what it shows is that the frequency was changed the same amount if they were on the vegan diet or the placebo, which could lead to the thought of how much of this is just controlled in your mind. Or I wonder if, I mean, of course, another limitation to this study, is stress playing a part here? 
Do they expect to get better? And so they do. I've never really seen migraines that way. I don't have migraines. Thank goodness, because lupus is enough. So I've never really experienced migraines. I've maybe had just a couple in my life, and thank goodness. But I would think that it's more than just in your head, so to speak. All in all, for this article, the conclusion says these results suggest that a nutritional approach may be a useful part of migraine treatment, but that methodologic issues necessitate further research. And I would have to agree because this was not a double blind study. They did have a placebo, but since it was not double blind, the participants could have skewed their information. Okay, so that's just kind of my takeaway on that. Let me look over another one. And remember, I always list my research articles on the description of the podcast episode. So you can always look at these on your own and kind of hash them out. So this one is very interesting to me. I really like this one. Diet restriction in migraine based on IgG, which is capital I, lowercase g, capital G, against foods. A clinical, double-blind, randomized crossover trial. So basically, this one is taking the methods from the last research article that I just went over with you, but it's definitely making it so much better. <laughs> so this is a double blind. That means neither group under knows which group they belong to. Okay. So they are completely blind to which treatment they are getting. It is a randomized study. And so they don't just pick, you know, 40 something year old men from Oregon to do this study. Okay. So that's just an example. This is also a crossover trial. And so essentially the two groups start out one way and then, you know, a few weeks later or whatever the study entails, they switch places, but it's double blind. And so these people don't know what they're being studied on. So that way it really removes any bias that you have in a research study. Okay. So let's look at the methods for this one. So this was a six week baseline. So they basically just took a baseline, baseline data for six weeks, which is a good amount of time. This was over for 30 patients diagnosed with migraine without aura. So they tested the IgG or the immunoglobulin <laughs> antibodies against 266 food antigens. So basically they gave them a very, very comprehensive food allergy test. Then the patients were randomized to a six-week diet, either excluding or including specific foods with raised IgG antibodies individually. So following a two-week diet-free interval after the first diet period, so they went six weeks on this diet and then they took two weeks off, the same patients were given the opposite six-week diet. So a provocation diet following elimination diet or vice versa. So basically just what I said, for six weeks they, you know, one group was on a diet, the other group is not, and then they waited two weeks to kind of clear their systems or whatever, and then they switched place, switched places. The thing about this, though, what makes it double blind is that these people most likely did not know what they were allergic to. They had no idea what the results of that study were. I apologize. My boxer just went off <laughs> my business. So and it goes furthermore into who was included in the study. 30 patients, 28 were female and two were male. That's interesting. Age 19 to 52 years. And the mean age or the average age was 35. Interesting that most of them were female. 
Is that a trend? Have you noticed that as a trend? Do more women have migraines over men? I'm not sure about that. What I like about this study is that it says patients and their physicians were blinded to the IgG test results and the type of diet, the provocation or elimination. The primary parameters are the things that they measured for the number of headache days each week and the migraine attack count. So what's the results? What's the big deal of this one? Why do I like this one better? <laughs> so the average count of reactions with abnormally high results was 24 against 266 foods. So basically they were sensitive or intolerant or allergic to 24 out of 266 foods. Compared to baseline, there is a statistically significant reduction in the number of headache days after they did this diet and the number of migraine attacks. So for this study, significant reduction in number of headache days each week went from 10.5 to 7.5. I mean, that's like a 25% decrease. And then the number of migraine attacks went from 9 to 6. So again, uh, that was actually a little bit more, about 33-ish percent decrease in migraine attacks just from a diet change. The conclusion for this one, it says this is the first randomized crossover study in migraine showing that diet restriction based on IgG antibodies is an effective strategy in reducing the frequency of migraine attacks. I like this. Now, this is not a new article. This was actually from back in 2010. So this is not brand new. It's not super old either. But I would like to think that there should be more research out there on what helps with migraines. This research study in particular does not talk about what kind of diet they were on, whereas the last one said that they were on a vegan diet. It is interesting. I wonder what kind of diet they were on um, and why why it made a difference. Why why did the or do the researchers think it made a difference? So overall what I will tell you is this is that Migraines, if you suffer with migraines, you probably know what some of your triggers are. Maybe you don't. Maybe they just kind of come at you from out of nowhere. But plants and more plants and especially berries and like the purple and blue and red berries and fruits are, they're higher in anthocyanins for one thing, but they are supposed to help increase or I guess make healthier um, blood flow and make your blood vessels healthier. That's usually why uh, my oldest daughter, actually, she has been a migraine sufferer for, for years, years and years. And when I started her on the Juice Plus products, over time, it was not immediate. And that would be another limitation of these studies, honestly, except for the 36-week one. But they're not long-term, right? And so over time, and I'm talking, you know, three to six months, really, her headaches drastically reduced. Likewise, when she stops taking her Juice Plus products, um, the headaches return and she has to take Tylenol or something every single day. Just something to think about, something to be aware about. If you haven't ever tried getting, um, you know, getting tested for allergies, for food allergies or food sensitivities or something like that, that might be a good place to start. If you don't have money to do that, you could just do an elimination diet. It's pretty brutal <laughs> to do something like that. But if you're really suffering with this, to me, it would be worth a shot. 
one of the things that I didn't mention with my autoimmune health journey is that more recently, this was, I guess this was 2017, 2018, I started having some really bad gut issues. And surprisingly, my rheumatologist actually told me to eliminate gluten and dairy. I was in so much pain at that point, I really didn't have a choice. And so I did. And that really started me on a track to realize what foods affect me and how they affect me. And I can't say that I'm perfect at it. I still struggle sometimes. And sometimes I just want to eat some cheese. But I know now by doing an elimination diet, what cheese does to me, what wheat or gluten or bread will do to me and the symptoms that show up in my body. So something to think about. Um, I always advocate for slow, simple changes over time. And unless you just absolutely are really, really struggling, like I was with my gut issues, um, you know, cutting things out cold turkey is not usually very successful. So it's easier just to gradually reduce until it is cut out over time. Um, it just, it just makes it easier <laughs> over your mind, really your body will only see benefit, but it's easier for us as humans and as natural um, lovers of food in most cases uh, for us to just do that gradual descent with our preferred foods. So I hope that was helpful to you guys. Again, don't forget to check out the links if you want to see the links to these research articles that I went over with you. And if you have any other questions or any other suggestions for future topics, please reach out to me. I would be happy to connect with you. So I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week or weekend. And thank you for tuning in.